All right, let's turn our Bibles to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20, and we'll start with verse number 17. Acts chapter number 20, and verse number 17. And can I ask one of the usher to give me a cup of water? Would be nice. Thank you. Acts chapter number 20, and we'll start with verse 17. Now, this is our part two of our lesson here, lesson number 13, our real faithfulness. Uh, we've been looking at real church, and we come to the 13th lesson in real faithfulness, and uh, hoping to finish this day. If not, next Sunday, we will have Brother Malucci with us for Sunday school. He will be teaching. Brother Nick Malucci will be here for Sunday school, so he will be teaching during Sunday school and also morning service. So if I don't finish today, it will not be next week and probably the first week of December. And after that, we're going to come up with a new uh, uh, lesson, and it's making home work. And we're working on that even now. We'll have PowerPoint presentation, and uh, we'll give you uh, more handouts and at least uh, an 8 by 11 size this time. And uh, we'll look into what uh, God designed the home to be. And so that would be exciting. But uh, lesson 13, now part number two, just in way of uh, remembering what we did last week, let's look at Acts chapter number 20 and verse number 17. And happy advanced Thanksgiving. Some of you guys are from out of town, and thank you for being here. And, and I'm sure expecting to have Thanksgiving with family. So, And some of us are going to be leaving, so it's just the way it goes. All right, Acts chapter number 20 and verse 17. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons. Uh, verse number 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mine and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto me, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith to our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that I shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I self, uh, neither count I myself dear unto myself, sorry, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And let us pray. Lord, help us now as we continue, Lord, our study of your uh, your truth on us Christians being faithful. And Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us, empower us, help us to uh, be steadfast, unmovable, and help us to be abiding, Lord, in you, Jesus, so that we can remain faithful. For thou art faithful. You are a faithful God. And Lord, we can tap into that resource of your faithfulness, and we ourselves can 
find that we have the power and the, the uh, means whereby we as humans, Lord, as your sons and daughters, we could also be faithful. Lord, bless uh, this morning. Help those that are still making their way for the morning service, those that are in other churches serving. Lord, bless those that are not feeling well among us. And pray, Lord, that you'd provide traveling mercies as people will be uh, traveling this week to see families. And those that came to us this week, thank you for them being here. And I pray that uh, you'll provide us a wonderful time together with family. And most of all, to honor you and being thankful uh, for what you have done all, always and all times. Lord, we are so uh, appreciative of your, your love for us and mercy. Lord, bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we find that Paul uh, was going to end up going to Jerusalem, and there we know at the end of that, he will be headed. Uh, he will lose his life for the Lord here at the end of this whole story. But yet he was talking to us and giving us uh, some thoughts here about what it took for him to be faithful. And we looked at that, point number one, last week. And that was, he was bound by compassion, all right? Point number one last week, he was bound by compassion, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N. And sub-point under that, what does that mean? He was burdened for people, and we see that in verse 20 and through verse 22 here of Acts chapter number 20. And he was burdened for people, all right? And letter B, he was bound to witness. He was bound to witness. And so we move on now, and uh, we're looking at another uh, point here, uh, another aspect of what it was that Paul had that we're looking at so that we can learn to be faithful. So uh, one was he was bound by compassion. And number two now on your Roman numeral there, if you are having notes, Brother Kelly's passing them out. And if you had yours last week, the second point is bound in tribulation. Bold, I should say, bold in tribulation. T-R-I-B-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. Tribulation. T-R-I-B-U-L-A-T-I-O-N. And so we see that uh, he was bound uh, by compassion and that he cared. He was burdened for people. He wanted to witness, and in witnessing, sometimes we will suffer along the way, even if we wanted to tell the truth. And remember, the, 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 the whole idea of the church and the Great Commission is to foretell truth, to tell other people about the truth that is found in Jesus Christ. And now in our day, we have the entirety of the Word of God. We have the completed Word of God in the King James Version of the Bible, in our English tongue, and so we have God's word, and our job as a Christian is we need to tell this truth to any man and any woman of any age at any place. This is, this is, this is what our commission is, to tell the truth uh, about Jesus Christ to start, but after that, there's other things, uh, other truths that, that go in hand with salvation, all right? And so you have to teach, and thus... Uh, not only people get saved, we see in Paul's life as he was church planning, not only you see people get saved, but after they get saved, they go into a discipleship. And discipleship, then those disciples need what they call a church. 
And so the idea of church planting happened in local places. Why? Because we're limited by space and time. Uh, most of us uh, cannot be in one place um, uh, more than one. <laughs> we can be in more one place. Uh, we, can, we can't be in one place more. I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You know what I mean. <laughs> the more I try to say it, the more it was not making sense in my head. And I'm sure you're having a fun time with that, but it's not helping you. But we're limited in time and space, and, and so we have to have local places, and then we have individuals that God will call and uh, be our teacher, and that would be pastors that he established and called and gifted churches. And so his job is to study the Word of God, be in the Word of God, and then impart that truth on a, on a regular basis. Now, it happens for us that we chose that we meet on Sundays, and we meet on Wednesdays, all right? The Bible in Hebrew tells us that not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And that is a choice we have made. And so uh, I appreciate that you're here present. And what is the focal point of why we're here? It's to see each other, absolutely. It's to encourage one another. It's to fellowship. And it's to care for one another. And it's to see others maybe uh, come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We could bring people in is a way we do that. To, for him to hear the gospel or for them to hear the gospel and get saved. But really the, the focal point is so that we can hear truth and that we can be taught the truth and the truth can be expounded. And so if you're going to a place, a church maybe, that you find that they're not, uh, they're not being true to the scripture, they're not being uh, true to the truth in the sense of that truth is not being proclaimed there, then you might find yourself another place to go, all right? You need to find where the Bible, the truth of God's word, is proclaimed. And so we find boldness in tribulation because it will come. People will not like the fact that we are spreading the truth. They're not going to like that. There's going to be opposition. And so trouble comes to all those who are faithful to God. And in your notes, you find 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 12. Yea... And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's as much as a promise as anything else in the scripture. It's a promise that if you live godly, if you live like Jesus Christ, if you try to emulate him, if you try to set him as an example and you uh, copy and make him uh, your goal and ideal of, of living, then people will persecute you. They will go against you. They will attack you. Look at letter A. On our sub point here, uh, what did Paul do to remain faithful? He was bold in his, uh, he, was, uh, he was bound with compassion, and he was bold in tribulation. In letter A, he anticipated trials. Well, what does it mean to be bold in tribulation? Well, he anticipated trials. He expected them to come. And so sometimes that helps uh, in life when you know what's coming your way and be prepared and ready for it. And so tribulation is one of those things, persecution is one of those things that God tells us uh, it will come, all right? It will come, and so Paul anticipated it, all right? Paul was no stranger to suffering. Look at some of these uh, instances that he described, the things he suffered. Look at First, Second Corinthians, chapter number 11. It's in your notes there. Second Corinthians, chapter number 11, verse number 24. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice, three times, thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, 
Thrice I suffered shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. All right? Verse 26. In, journey, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fasting often, in cold, and in nakedness. Now, these are literal things that happened to him. This is not make-believe story. He's not saying this exaggeratedly. This is actually what happened. These things he accounted for that happened to him simply by what? By telling the truth. By proclaiming the truth, specifically of the gospel. He goes to people in their, in their lands, in their cities, and he tells them about Jesus Christ. And he gets these things as a result of that. And so tribulation will be a part of your witness. All right? It'll be a part of it, so expect it. Now, I can't tell you that you'll suffer exactly what he suffered. But some of us probably uh, in time past have shared the gospel with some neighbor or some friend. Or maybe we had gone to a soul winning uh, event that a church maybe had uh, put together. Or we ourselves went and was burdened to visit somebody and we received rejection. We received at, at, at any rate... We feel that as we are there with them, they don't want us there, and they don't want what we have to say, and we can feel that, all right? And so don't, don't feel like that uh, that's not going to happen, all right? It's going to happen. God tells us very clear in another passage we don't have in our notes that if, you, if they hated your master, if the world hated your master, don't think it's strange that they'll hate you too. They will not like your message, all right? They will not like the truth that what you're going to say. Now, it doesn't negate the fact that we don't tell the truth now because we don't want to suffer. See, there's the problem. We are kept silent a lot of times because we don't want to suffer. We don't want to be rejected. We don't want to suffer this uh, rejection by people in our lives. But Paul apparently did not let it hinder him. And he suffered more than probably any of us. Have you suffered anything he said here? I mean, all my mission life in the Philippines with my wife, we've never felt like any danger of robbers. We, we had no danger necessarily. We've never felt like in danger of the city. Now, maybe the driving, but uh, being in Cebu, two million people. And the Philippine driving is not according to the DMV of New York. So... Uh, it could be that, but I, I, I never felt in danger. And so even in America, if I was be very frank with all of us, there's very little danger. Now, I just read a story today that a, a man was shot because he was trying to invite people to go to church. A preacher was shot. Uh, where was it there? Arizona. He was preaching before Wednesday night trying to get people to church. Now, maybe he said a few things. I didn't know I wasn't there. But pray for him, he's in danger, 26 years old, got a wife and a little baby, uh, trying to invite people to church, and uh, he got shot. 
Now, we don't know how he was shot. We don't know the, all of that. It could have been a straight bullet, they said, but they don't know. But that's very, very rare here. How many times I've gone so winning in our area, it's very rare that I would get any kind of hostile thing like that in my life. Now, I do feel a lot of uh, what we call uneasiness and because they just don't really want you there. I can feel that. They don't want you there. And you're trying to talk to them, and you're trying to be as nice as possible, but they're looking at you like, uh, hmm. And, and a lot of times, there's some bold people that say, just, we don't want that. You know, get out of here. We don't want any of that. And so, but don't let that stop you, because it will not go away. So you're not going to go tell people about Jesus because of that? Then you'll never tell anybody about Jesus Christ, if that was the case. And so... Think about that in your life as a Christian. We have to tell the truth, especially the gospel. And so Paul uh, realized that uh, trials will come in his life. In Acts 20, even as Paul told the leaders of the church at Ephesus, that's the context of our our text uh, passage here, that he was going to Jerusalem, he indicated that he expected to face suffering there. So it was very clear in verse number 22. What did he say? Not knowing the things that shall befall me there. He knows that there might be a danger for going to Jerusalem. He was begged by many Christians not to do this, not to go to Jerusalem. He was asked by people that loved him, other Christians in, in Scripture that tells him, don't go to Jerusalem. But he, he feels that's what the Lord's leading him to do, and so he ended up going. And we know at the end of it all, because of that decision, he ended up being beheaded for his faith. Uh, due to the Roman tyranny and under Emperor Nero, all right? He was beheaded. Paul knew the depths of suffering, and he expected that as long as he lived, he would continue to experience suffering, and yet he determined to remain faithful, to remain faithful. Look at number, uh, look at letter B there. He endured testing. He endured testing. Talking about Bold in tribulation. He anticipated trials. Uh, Letter B, he endured testing. T-E-S-T-I-N-G. Testing. In every trial that Paul faced, God was there for him. In verse 23, he said, uh, of our text here, the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. Even as he faced continued suffering, Paul counted on the presence of, of the Lord, all right? Even as he faced all of these things, the only comfort he had was that God was with him. And uh, I'm going to talk about that idea tonight in my preaching Sunday evening. First Peter 5 and verse number 7, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And that's the comfort we find that Paul had here. Uh, he endured when he believed that God cares for us. And is present with us. And that's what Paul helped him here in this idea. First Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 12. Again in your notes. Beloved, think it not strange concerning fire trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's almost smart aleck-like. <laughs> Peter saying, don't think it's strange if something happens to you. Right? But look at verse number 13. But rejoice. But rejoice. But rejoice. That's strange, isn't it? But rejoice. 
Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. That's what it is like to be with someone or to be in in cahoots with someone, to be in companion with someone, to be together with, all right? A lot of Christians and a lot of us, especially now, because the Buffalo Bills don't look good, you can kind of see who's loyal to them. May I use that? We are in Buffalo, so I'm going to use that as an illustration. And sometimes Christians, we feel that way with Jesus when he is not popular. When his ideas are strange, when his truths cause conviction and discomfort in others, that we uh, want that acceptance from those people, but then we have to bring this truth. We we have to abide by the truth of the word of God, and that truth kind of produces conflict uh, with those people, maybe friends that we hang out with. You know, we can't do the things with them as as they would ask us to go, hey, let's do this, and there's an activity involved, and there's, a, there's something that's going to go on that you have to say, no, I can't do that because I belong to Jesus. And Jesus and I uh, are loyal to this truth, and I can't do that. And you're going to feel the, the idea that, well, you're better than us, or I don't know, maybe they'll, 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 you'll, you'll, you'll start to think in your mind, I don't want to offend them, I don't want to hurt their feelings, and then so on and so forth. But the loyalty that Paul had here is incredible. It's incredible. That's what it means to be in Jesus Christ. Uh, We're not fair-weather fans or fair-weather friends. We are loyal to Jesus to the end, even when his truth is mocked. Even when his, uh, his name is ridiculed and cursed. We are Christians. And so we belong to him. And so as we relish all the things that we get because of being with him, his love, his mercy, his grace, his peace, his joy, his faithfulness, all of those things that we enjoy about Jesus, that we receive, absolutely enjoy those, but there's some things that come with it. Suffering, persecution, evil spoken of. Your enemies will... uh, 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 will continue to hurt you, even though God says to love them. And so, I'm asking you, Christian, today, are you like Paul here, that he said, I'm with Jesus, the good of it and the bad of it. And when I say the bad of it, there's no bad in it. It's just that God has enemies. The truth has enemies. The devil exists. And so his philosophy, his deceitfulness, his lies contradict and go against the truth and so thus there's people that believe his lie and those people will not like you telling them they're wrong they're not going to tell they're not going to put up with it you know and they're going to be against you and you have to deal with the fact that either you're going to remain quiet about your jesus and you're going to only talk about jesus uh, amongst jesus people and then when you're out of jesus people and you're in the world now working at your job They're not Jesus people. They're not proponent of what you believe in Jesus. And so you're just going to cower and you're just going to shy away from you being Jesus' children. Well, you can't do that. You have to be bold in tribulation. You have to be standing strong, not arrogant, 
not proud, not a jerk, but confident in Christ. I'm going to stand. I'm, I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. And so, come what may. Come what may. It's funny, you know, that Paul uh, suffered the same things that Jesus suffered. Uh, he was mocked. And he was rejected. But rejoice. And as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. You're going to feel mighty weird here now. Here, here, I don't know, it's a prophecy. This is football. It's just, it's just earthly things. It's not a main thing. But what happens if the bills all of a sudden start doing good and you have this attitude, I'm done with them. And all of a sudden they go to the playoffs and they probably win the Super Bowl. <laughs> got a lot of faith, right? But here's testing grounds, right? This is testing grounds. And so what happens? What happens uh, with you that kind of left us? And you kind of walked away and say, I'm done with them. Guess what? We have the bragging rights, those that stayed, and say, hey, why did you leave us? You had no faith. Look at what we did. Right? And you'll suffer the shame. Correct? All right, that's, a, that's an earthly story. I kind of bring it home a little bit. I hope that made sense to you about this idea that being a Christian sometimes comes with some negativity because there's enemies. We like to paint Christianity that there's nothing wrong. We can't live like that, guys. We will have an enemy. The devil is after you. The world and its society and its culture is going to go against the truth of God's word. And you have to make a decision. Whose side are you on? The question still remains, whose side are you on? And if you're saved and you enjoy his salvation, well, let's get some of the, let's let's get in the the fight for 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 the truth, you know, and we don't fight with uh, the weapons. Our warfare is not fleshly. Uh, and it's through prayer and patience. And uh, our fight is when, uh, when uh, we're ridiculed, uh, we still go on with joy. When we're mocked, we still go on with this idea that, hey, uh, they just don't know the truth about Jesus. And someday they'll understand. Right? Uh, there was missionaries, uh, Martin and Gratia Burnham, and I don't want to go time to, to, to do that illustration. They, they died, uh, modern missionaries, uh, suffering for the Lord Jesus Christ. She said this, though. Do you know uh, uh, the Burnham, Burnham, Burnhams? Uh, they were, uh, uh, let me read it to you. I think it's good. She said something really, really, uh, uh, what you call this, really personal. And I feel like, we need to hear it sometimes. As Christians, we think we're invincible. And so uh, we, 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 we sometimes hide in our, quote, unquote, we're so religious. You know, we're so good. And look at what he, she said, and it's amazing. Uh, she made this statement. So on May 27, 2001, I remember where I was when I heard this story. Missionaries Martin and Gratia Burnham were taken captive by Muslim, Muslim ter- terrorists this was in the Philippines, and held hostage for over a year. On June 7, 2002, 
Martin was shot and killed during the rescue attempt. All right? Gra uh, Gracia was wounded as well, but she survived and was freed. Later, she shared some of her questions and struggles. What? She shared some of her questions and struggles regarding the Lord's goodness and his allowing suffering in uh, their lives. This is her quote, all right? Sometimes I wonder why did Martin die when everyone was praying he wouldn't? All right? This is what she said. Why did Martin die when everyone was praying he wouldn't? Why does scripture lead you to believe that if you pray a certain way, you'll get what you pray for? Question mark. People all over the world were praying that we both get out alive, but we didn't. I used to have this concept of what God is like and how life's supposed to be because of that. But in the jungle, he was, they, were, they were captive for, for a year. But in the jungle, I learned I don't know as much about God as I thought I did. What I do know is that God is God, and I'm not. Pause that for a second. You need to get that. I need to get that. I need to get that in our life. Because if we don't, we think God is a genie, and that whatever we ask him, he is obligated to perform. When we have to realize in this season of Thanksgiving that it is because his grace, and the Bible talks about his throne when we come to it by prayer, is a throne of grace. And that is that we don't deserve that God would answer any, let me say this, of our prayers. And if we realize that, and I think that's what Ms. Uh, Ms. Uh, Gracia Burham here was going to. It says sometimes as a Christian, when God is so good to us and we're in a condition and situation that is very, 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 very safe and God's continual blessing on our life, uh, we get a warped idea of sometimes that we end up being entitled to God's answered prayer. Now, I say this, on God's place, he does whatever he wants. He's in full charge of his choices. And I don't even have to say that to, to, to that statement to be true. He's God. And that's what I think she's saying here. And we miss that when we ask uh, to him in prayer. We're, and we're almost demanding and say, well, your Bible says. The Bible only says because God's character is so good. It's based on him, and he says that my grace, I will bestow upon you. And I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, he says. So be, be very careful when you pray, and it becomes almost an entitlement spirit and an attitude that you feel he has to answer you. Because then you become spoiled. But when you have this idea... That every time you pray, God can. He has the ability to. But you rest in this, that when you pray, it's out of your hand. 
when you bring your prayers to the Lord, it's completely you letting go of the outcome. And so don't pray thinking that you control the outcome of your prayer. God controls that. The idea is when you bring it to the throne of grace, now it's uh, to God. It's up to God now. It's a transaction that you have made with him. Now you're giving it to God, and now God now has the choice. So what I'm trying to say, and I'm making sense to y'all, is that let God have the choice. I mean, you don't have to let him. He's going to do it. He's God. He's going to choose to do uh, with what you request to him. All right? And don't, 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 don't be entitled to it in your mind and realize that just because I pray, he has to answer it. No. And what happens is when he does answer it, and you have that hope of expectation that he can, and he can do anything. That's what you pray. That's the idea of that whole idea of faith. It's not that you don't have faith. It's not that you don't have hope. All of those are three ingredients for you to go to God. And that's what God gets you to go to him. Because no human being offers you any help. But don't, don't, under, don't, don't, don't put it on. It's, it's like this. If I went to the doctor because I'm feeling ill. So my best solution is go to the doctor. And so I go to the doctor and I sit to the doctor and say, this is how I feel. The doctor has no obligation to all of a sudden drop everything they're doing to make sure I get healed. Am I making sense a little bit? That's their prerogative now, that their choice to help you. And we got laws in our land that they will not reject you. They'll, they'll try to help you. But don't make it think that God is uh, tied. All right? And because the idea is, what happens is, when he doesn't answer your prayer, how do you react then? That tells you if you're doing what I'm saying. If God does not answer your prayer, how do you react? Do you react in bitterness and you're upset and you're mad, you're depressed, you're sad? Now, you could be sad because your prayers didn't get out. I understand that. But when you now have bitterness and you lose faith in God... I don't think you came with the right spirit about that. And so I think that's what she's trying to say. What I do know is that God is God and I'm not. The world is a mess because of sin, not God. Uh, some awful things may happen to me, but God does what is right. This is uh, 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 Gracia. And he makes good out of bad situations. Through our trials, we may have times of questioning. Through our trials, we may have times of questioning. But when we take those questions to the Lord, we deepen our faith. Paul allowed his trials to deepen his dependence on the Holy Spirit. Look at your notes now, 2 Corinthians 3 and verse number 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. All right? There's a fine balance in there. I'm trying to say uh, to you, pray. You have to have faith that God can, and you have to expect that he will. You have to have hope. But at the same time, it's not your prayer. 
It's not you telling God what to do. It's you asking him. And then he's choosing to do something about your, your, your request. All right? It's, it goes both ways. All right? And so think about that as you approach God in prayer and realize that every time you do it, it is a privilege. Every time you do it, it is special. And every time you do it, it is something we don't deserve. And every time we do it, if we get anything at all, it's because God is good. That's how the spirit has to be. And if we come, there, and Pastor Cole has said this many times, there's nothing wrong to ask. He's always said it. There's nothing wrong to ask. And so the, the challenge is, why not ask? But if you ask and he says no, don't go home grumpy and throw a tantrum. Because God is God. He's not your servant. He is God. All right? Because dependency upon the Lord is really the secret of faithfulness. Because dependency upon the Lord is really the secret of faithfulness. Enduring trials by God's grace helps to increase our faithfulness. It causes us to more fully rely on God. And thus, he gives us the ability to remain faithful. I can tell you this, and I don't understand fully how uh, Gracia, Mrs. Uh, Berm, feels today. And I probably wouldn't fully understand because I didn't go through the suffering she did. But I'm telling you, she's better Christian today than before it happened. Can I say that? I think she's a better Christian today than before it happened. Now that she was failing as a Christian, but she understood more of God. And so Job is the same situation. Job, before the trials came in his life, was not as mature as after the trials come. Do I want trials to come to my life? Do I want tribulation to come to my life? If you are a normal person, you don't. You don't want pain. You don't want any of those things to come. But the problem is it's not up to what we want. And God has a design, and sometimes he uses those trials and tribulation coming your way. uh, And he allowed Satan to test Job, and he's going to allow Satan to test you. And in that, realize this, that God is God, and you're not. And so when it hurts, when you feel like there's no way out of the situation you're in, you feel like there's no victory, you go to Jesus and you ask. Paul went to him, what, three times about a thorn in his side, and Jesus said, what, nope, nope, we're not taking it away because my grace is sufficient for you. You want to understand an aspect of grace? You'll never understand this aspect of grace until you go through tribulation. So if you're the one that says, I want to just stay here and be safe, there's nothing wrong with that. But don't be, don't be shocked that you're not going to learn some of the things that others learn because they went through some tribulation. And don't reject their wisdom when they come to you and say to you, uh, this is how God helped me. Well, I know better. Well, what did you go through? 
right? Right? We're so quick to say, I'm not going to listen to those people. But God taught them some wisdom because of tribulation. You haven't even gone through it yet. And so I would be quiet when those people speak and let them say some things and maybe learn from them through the Holy Ghost. And if you want to learn this grace that God has, and I don't, I don't want this. But I've been writing on my prayer letter lately, I'm praying for grace. So I know maybe I should change that. Maybe I should change that. Maybe I shouldn't write on my prayer letter or my prayer request. Pray for grace. After I did the study, I don't know if I want to do that no more. Because grace really is fully experienced when you are fully, completely helpless. When you go to the place when there's really not, your bank account is not cut in, your friends are not going to help you, they can't help you, they want to help you, they love you, but they can't help you. The only thing they can do is pray. When, when all else fails, that's when you can really, 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 really see the grace of God. Now, I'll be honest with you, do I want to see that? Do I want to really see God's grace? I do. But man, I might be willing to go through tribulation and trials. How do you react when you're annoyed? How do you react when you're irritated? How about how you react when you have plans and it doesn't go according to your uh, (laughs) expectation? Right? All right, it's a telltale sign on us. That we probably should pray for grace. God will give us tribulation and persecution. Lord bless. As we continue this morning. Help the morning service. Help Pastor Cole Lord as he brings the message this morning for us. I pray that it will encourage us. Challenge us in some way Lord. I pray bless uh, this Sunday school. Thank you for those that are here. Again bless the families that came. And let them enjoy Thanksgiving with one another. And help us to remain faithful and help us to uh, look at tribulation, Lord, in a different light and help us to find grace in a time of need. Lord, bless in Jesus' name. Amen. You have 13 minutes before the next service.